Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Shooting the Shit. I'm Sean Gregoire. Pat Hardy's over on the other side of me, and we have Bradley Smith on the boards. How you doing today, Pat? You know, my brother, I'm feeling strong, you know? I'm feeling real strong. Everything's not going according to the way, you know, we'd hope and plan, but I'm feeling strong. I'm feeling hopeful. I'm feeling, uh, feeling like I'm ready to go to work. All right, that's good, because I'm ready to go to work as well. So, this show is largely going to fall into the and shit category. Uh, sports are cool, but I feel like for us, with three black guys, it's important for us to talk about stuff, real stuff that's affecting people since we're having a large platform. I feel like that it's part of our responsibility and that we're doing a disservice to what we're trying to do if we don't talk about it. So, with that said, we're going to roll into... The Minnesota protests, everyone protesting around the country, and some stuff that's been going on around it, around the murder of George Floyd. And I want to tell you guys this. We've had enough of being told how to process our own grief by other people. I'm not one to speak for all black people. That's not, that's not my thing. That's not something I like to do. We have different ideologies within our race. But I feel comfortable speaking on behalf of at least 99% of black people when I say, shut the fuck up with that shit. Don't tell us how to function when someone else of our race dies by the hands of cops or some random person. Black people and other minorities in the United States, we have to overcome enough disparities in education, health care, wealth housing quality, job income, arrest rates, incarceration incarceration rates, and I can still go on from there. And the wild part is that we do. We overcome that. We overcome whatever we're born into for the most part, and we end up being successful, hardworking, and we try to pass it on to our kids the best we can. The one thing that we cannot overcome is some awful cop or some random person deciding that it's just our day to go arbitrarily and getting away with it. That has to be stopped first. And, you know, if we have to destroy stuff to get that done, then so be it, man. Pat, how you feel about it? You got anything to say? And I want Bradley involved, too, since. Absolutely. Um, 100% agree with everything you're saying here. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm extremely sad because. I mean, I think we've all reached our black man dying on video quota for the year already. I mean, we're not even, you know, too far removed from Ahmaud Arbery. And that wasn't police. But again, I think everyone is up in arms because black men are dying and no one's being held immediately accountable. I'm so sick of the black on black argument. We don't give a fuck about black on black crime because when we kill anything. each other, we... It's not a real thing. But even further than that, when we kill each other, we're held accountable for those actions. There is no going home and thinking about it. And yeah, maybe we should be upset and get Pat arrested so he can go face prosecution. No, Pat's arrested immediately as soon as he murders someone and he goes to jail. So that's not an argument. Um, number two, I think we're... It's definitely not the 60s or the 70s. Um, we are a lot more progressive as a society. We're able to get our ideologies out there. We're able to connect with a number of different people. Um, 
all of us here sitting at this table, and I can say this with full confidence, all of us interact with white people. We have yep. white people in our inner circle. We, we share spaces with them. Maybe they know it, maybe they don't, but they need to be aware and they need to receive this information and, and, and listen. Black people are tired of being uncomfortable, having to couch what they say for fear of offending. I won't even just say white people, but for the majority point, white people that may or may not understand the struggle of black people. We can't continue to code the things we say and and hope you get it. And in the midst of struggling with what society's throwing at us, also have to balance your friendship or your understanding or defend our position in a time of pain and in a time of, of, of just grief. Um, I'm fortunate enough to have been blessed with the not give a fuck gene. So I can voice my opinion with 100% certainty that I'm not going to care what anyone says about what I say. I actually welcome it. That's why I do a podcast and speak my shit because I'm confident in the way I deliver my thoughts. I'm confident in what I believe in. I'm confident in the in, in the principles that define me as a man. My white friends, my closest white friends, they know who I am. I don't have to explain why I don't care about Target being looted. I don't have to explain that when I talk about white people who don't care. I don't have to give them a phone call on the side and say, oh, yeah, I'm sorry, not you, bro. They know because they know me. They understand my people. They understand me. So everyone's not blessed to have folks like that in their circle. But if you're uh, if you're a watcher of this podcast and you happen to be white and you have black people that are going through pain, going through grief right now, the best thing you can do is listen, be an ally, because if you if if you don't have a voice right now or if you have a voice and your voice is speaking more towards the looting and the rioting and and it's not geared towards the loss of George Floyd's life, it's not geared towards the loss of Ahmaud Arbery's life. If it wasn't geared towards the loss of Tamir Rice's life, if it wasn't geared towards the the, the loss of Sandra Brand's life, these this list is getting too long and, and the instance is becoming too commonplace for you not to get it. And my last point is. I don't want to hear about the rioting and the looting. Rest in peace, George Floyd. We are going to honor you by getting the system changed. There was a very prominent individual who tried to do this the right way. He tried to peacefully protest this and bring awareness to this the right way, the best way he could. And you shut him up. You moved him out of his job. Colin Kaepernick tried to do this as peacefully as possible. So you don't get to say, oh, Colin, shut up and go play football, but then say, oh, hey, folks, stop rioting and looting in the streets. This isn't the way to do it. We tried to do it the fucking right way. It was it was attempted to even before Colin. Let's go back to the 60s to 64. Martin Luther King tried to do it the right way. You shot him in the head. What do you want us to do? There is no right answer. There's only listening at this point and figuring out how this can stop so we can move forward as a society. 
we shouldn't have to come back to this point, but unfortunately we're going to come back to this point because people won't get it. People will play dumb. We'll have to tear shit up again. I'm all 100% for the rioting and the looting. I know it's wrong. I know it's a sin. I know there's a lot of black people that don't feel that way. They're, they're scared. Let's kumbaya, sing Negro spirituals to get through it. Nah, we're past that. If this is what it takes, let's do what it takes to fix it so we don't have to get back here. But unfortunately, I think all of us know we're going to be back here, but Rest in peace, George Floyd. Um, um, it's a lot of good people in Minnesota. I have good friends in Minnesota working to make sure that, you know, individuals affected by the riots are taken care of. Business owners, minority business owners that are affected are taken care of. So um, I know with, without a shadow of a doubt, good work is being done. People are people are going to be taken care of. But let's get the system fixed. Yeah. And another interesting thing that I kind of want to take people to task for is the disparity, discrepancy of how cops treat black protesters contrasted with the way they treat the gun boys who assault the Capitol over not being able to go bowling during a pandemic. I actually gave this a lot of thought, and I don't think that's a coincidence that the treatment's different. I think that it's because when Cops see those people, the gun boys, they see their friends, they see their family, they see their neighbors, they see their drinking buddies, they see humans, they see people that they can relate to, that they've had experience with, and they treat them accordingly. They treat them with humanity. They let them vent. And they don't see the same thing with black people. They don't see the same thing when black and brown or whatever people protests over police humanity, uh, police brutality, they see niggers. They see something to exterminate. They see something that the state assigns to stop at all costs. And when I'm asking regular white people, like the ones who are horrified that don't know what to do, that's a great start. Take your cop friend to task, man. Take them to task. Tell them that the way that you talk to black people, the way you talk to Latin people, the way you talk to people like that, it ain't cool, and the way you treat them ain't cool. And I'm going to stop being your friend if you do it. And that's really the only way this is going to change until it gets legislated away. Like, the only way it's going to get changed on a person-to-person level is if, like, these regular white people who feel protected by the cops, who have good experience with them, ask them, hey, how you treat people in the hood? What's going on? Why are they acting out this way? Like, I, I know black people. They don't seem bad. Why, why are the black people you run into bad? What's going on? And I think until we're there, we're not going to get anywhere. You can't, like, you have to, uh, it sucks, and I hate it. But, man, didn't that lady get smoked with the fire extinguisher or what? Holy smoke. <laughs> I've seen so many images. Oh. Across the uh, uh, obviously in pure black people humor, we're gonna find things to laugh about in the darkest of times. We all laugh. I mean, we're gonna find all sorts of situations, people's faces, people, uh, people interactions during these um, these candid still pictures. Um, I mean, yeah, we, we. we're pretty accustomed to to living through this. We've been through this before. We know the riots are coming. We know what to expect. But um, I think my my favorite image 
um, was the the woman in the wheelchair with the knife trying to to get at folks. Um, you got to hold it down. I understand that from a human being level because in in the essence, that's what we're doing. We're doing whatever we can to to keep what we have is ours and protect what we have is ours and whatever she. I mean, hopefully there's a GoFundMe to get her a, a bigger, faster wheelchair. I don't know if they got you know accessories they can get her, but. <laughs> Um, that lady can walk, dog. <laughs> <laughs> the, those are the type of type of women that go into Walmart. They walk into Walmart, then get on the electric scooter, and then ride the electric scooter all the way out to the car and leave it in the parking lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I'll tell you what, I, I never thought I would use the term "empty the clip" of a fire extinguisher before in my life <laughs> until that day, because she got it all, baby. She got every last bit, every drip drop. The dude used perfect form. In my job, they teach us how to use a fire extinguisher. The, <laughs> the <laughs> sweep, she started at the base and swept upwards, pulled the pen perfectly. I, I, it was just perfect form on that. I, I feel like if John Madden was announcing that, he would he would um, admire the the technical prowess of, of dude as he just emptied that thing on that lady who was trying to stab black people while they were leaving Target. Like, Target yeah. ain't gonna give you a check for that. It leaves people alone. Yeah. No, if you want to be a, a voice for not having mayhem in the streets, that's cool, but do that from home. You better tweet that shit. Nobody trying to hear that, especially yeah. when you're in the shit. And real quick, I'd be remiss to not bring this up as we're on the subject to kind of take it back to a more serious side. Um, there's a real lack of leadership from the highest position in the world. Um, I don't want to get too much into the man and his character. Um, I don't even want to identify him as being the president of our country. I just want to you know, juxtapose two different um, two different events and then let the viewers and let you guys digest it from there because correct me if I'm wrong during the entire um, Minnesota riots there's not been any loss of life correct no one has been murdered in direct relation to the riots correct have you guys not heard my any? knowledge nope but we do know that in Charlottesville Virginia there was the neo-nazi protest there were people who lost their lives during that protest that turned into a riot. Your president's remarks, your president, not my president, your president's remarks were. Hey, my damn president. Facts. The president's remarks were, hmm, there's good people on both sides. There's good people on both sides. The man who holds the highest position in the land identified hurt, grieving black people as thugs. They didn't hurt anyone. They're destroying property. Property has insurance. Property can be replaced. Life can't. He described them as thugs. He advocated for violence against American citizens. I've heard a lot of people throw out martial law this, martial law that. If you're really concerned about martial law, what the president said about the protesters in Minnesota is an absolute disgrace. I don't understand how 
if you're a true American citizen and you value American ideals and American life, don't understand how you can stand by idly. I'm talking to Trump supporters specifically. I don't understand how you can stand by and not condemn this man for the things that he said. Juxtapose that against the Charlottesville rally, neo-Nazi rallies, everything America stands for should be anti-Nazis, right? It shouldn't be hard for us to say we don't get down with the Nazis. We don't fuck with the Nazis. Anything that has to do with Nazis, we're not rocking with that. Your man did not denounce the Nazis. He couched, he, 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 he doubled down and said, eh, there's good people on both sides. But in Minnesota, he didn't see anybody that looked like him or represented what he was about. So they're thugs. And when that looting starts, that shooting starts. And thought he was he, a rapper. He's he's so he's so ignorant to race and racism. Again, remember this is the same man with the Central Park Five, same individual, Central Park Five. He's so ignorant to racism in this country that he doesn't even know that phrase has been used back in the sixties. Back in segregation times. By the Miami police chief during the riots in Miami. That was strictly race related. He has no clue. He doesn't. And he has no clue. It's willful negligence. It's willful ignorance. He does not care about black people. I wish we had the 2005 yay that would stand up and say this motherfucker does not care about black people. That's all I really got to say. I wanted to highlight that. Um, I'm absolutely disgusted. I've done my best over the last four years to not speak ill of the highest office in the land. Um, just out of pure respect for, you know, the, the job that has to be done at the office. But fuck that. I'm not with it. I'm not rocking with it. Anybody who sees Patrick Hardy should know. I don't support that. I'm not with that. We can blah, blah this about Joe Biden, blah, blah this about third party candidates. There's got to be a change. We got to get out and vote in November. And it doesn't stop at the presidential elections. You got to get out and vote in November at the presidential elections. You got to make sure you're engaged in your, your local, your regional elections. We have to put people in office who are going to respond to our needs effectively and, and in most cases, hopefully immediately. We can't continue to put up what, what we've been doing over over the last four years. It's completely irresponsible as American citizens to allow it to happen. Um, we can't value capitalism over human life. We can't value uh, um, conservative capitalistic views over progressive human life. We can't do it. Cool. I don't even feel like I need to add to that, man. Thank you, Pat. Brad, you got something to say about it, bro? Well, I think you guys put it perfectly at this point, but it's very telling when you haven't seen protests get this this serious before like we've had protests in different cities before and one killing of a black person sparks protests everywhere but you've had burning of police stations at this point and this protest is protests sparking protests in a lot more places than usual we're having them here in south carolina you're seeing them in north carolina they're like all over the place so i think at this point people are just kind of fed up right all right so i think we said everything we've had to say about the situation it's horrendous. It needs to change immediately. I'm tired of incremental change when it comes to human black life and human brown life and all the life that isn't intrinsically valued in this country. So we're going to shift gears over to the college guys getting paid, man. Yeah, right now. So the NCAA has allowed college players to 
profit off their likeness. I believe it's not going to start until not going to start this upcoming season, but the next. But the caveat is they're not allowed to wear any team par paraphernalia while they're you know maybe doing an ad or a commercial or something. They're not allowed to basically. You can't get paid wearing team apparel. So what we're kind of wondering is. Is this going to affect big schools? Is going to have some kids thinking, oh, I don't need to go to Alabama. I don't need to go to Clemson now. And could this bring back, you know, more players going to HBCUs? All right. So I don't think there's going to be much of a difference in school choices as far as college football is concerned. Because there are still advantages that those big universities have built up over the years. They can still pay athletes under the table. And they can promise facilities, big networks to NFL people, and the chance to play against the best of the best at the highest level. It's different than college hoops because there are more options. You can go overseas. You can go straight to the D-League now. Overseas, they'll actually pay you. You can play against former NBA guys. But football side, you don't really have that option yet. So it's way different. And as far as HBCUs, uh, I think they have a chance to get better guys, but it's going to take a while for them to develop the perks and the networking chances that's going to attract the best results. Because over the years, HBCUs have kind of begun to strip naked with their funding and with their facilities. And when you're a five-star guy, when you want to ensure that you have everything you need to go to the next level, the highest level, that you have everything available at your disposal. You can talk to anyone you want. And even if you don't make it, you have the networking available to go into coaching or go into management or go into real estate. So I think especially the kids with savvy parents, they think about that aspect as well. And a lot of the big schools have that in spades. It's a it's an advantage that they've built over the past several decades of what amounts to indentured servitude of the kids. And it's going to take a while of drastic things to happen for the um, for the HBCUs and all the smaller schools to catch up to those perks. How do you feel about that, Pat? I don't think that this is going to change the landscape of college sports at all. Um, my thinking behind that is the ultimate goal of most of your the top 10% of college athletes is to get to the respective professional leagues that are beyond that. I don't think that a school saying, Hey, you can get paid your likeness and make an extra 10,000 here, 10,000 there is going to sway a kid who has his eyes on being a lottery pick. Um, it is going to benefit the lower uh, half of, well, not, not even half, but the kids who don't really see that avenue to professional sports, it is going to benefit them because they're going to be able to do what every other college kid can do at this point, which is go to school, have a college experience, compete at a high level, but also benefit from whatever work or whatever grind hustle they have outside. I know um, Will Greer uh, started at West Virginia and um, he, he, his brothers are famous YouTubers. But during his tenure in college sports and the subsequent transfer, he couldn't partake in, you know, the, the YouTubes that his brothers were doing. That would be an avenue that would be open to him with the new rules. That's great. Um, 
I don't think it changes anything with your major college college sports, college football, college basketball, because if you're the point guard at Kentucky, you're going to get some form of notoriety, whether you're dribbling or shooting a basketball at all. You're going to get some form of following. Um, so your power fives, you're not going to see much of a shift in the kids that are choosing to go to any schools because now they know they can get paid while they're in school and still make it to the league. They're still going to go choose what gets into the league. As far as HBCUs go, I have a personal beef with HBCUs. Mm. Go for it. I feel like they should be looking themselves in the mirror and telling them, we are college. We can't compete. No, we don't have the funding. But just like in the previous segment, we're talking about the resiliency of black people. We are resilient. We are resourceful, should be resourceful. We should still be trying to be in the game with all these high-level recruits. We shouldn't count ourselves out. My personal story to the side, my son plays football. He goes to one of the top football programs in, in the state of Arizona, one of the top football programs in the country. There are so many kids that don't even know what an HBCU is here in, in Phoenix, Arizona. And the HBCUs don't come out here to make themselves visible. My son wants to go to an Ivy League school. That's his number one choice, Columbia University. Number two is Howard. That's my job as a parent to make sure he knows what options are available to him. Howard University has no presence in any of the football houses out here in Arizona. They don't make an attempt to come find out about these kids. The response I always get is, oh, they don't have the budget. Twitter is the cost of an internet connection. You can connect with these kids online. You can get these kids' phone numbers. You can start sending out mailers to these kids because you're sending out mailers to kids in your region. What's the extra few cents to, fill, uh, to, to, to send out to kids out, out west or up north, uh, uh, midwest, excuse me. So I feel like HBCUs have a real opportunity to start branding their athletics better and saying, hey, if you choose to come to an HBC, you might not be looking to go a professional path, but we have a team of marketers here that are going to help market you as best as we can or set you up to market yourself so you can make that bag away from the sport. That's how they can attempt to attract kids that aren't the high-level recruits or even maybe attract high-level recruits and say, hey, this isn't the straight line path to get to the NFL, the NBA. But if you come here, we're going to show you how to get money. We're going to show you how to market yourself. Come here. We'll show you how to brand yourself, how to make yourself self-sufficient. So when you're done with the league and you're, you're back to normal civilian life, you have the marketing skills to continue to you know, supply the, the, the finances that you need to live the life you want to live. This is an opportunity for HBCUs to step up take advantage of whatever loopholes are going to come with this new uh, this new rule and and really gain headway. But they got to be out front center and they got to think that they can compete. Um, every parent's not like me that's pointing their kids to HBCUs. Um, they got to get in front and, and say, hey, we're here and we have this benefit. You can get paid. We'll show you how to get paid the most. And then you see you take it from there and see where it goes. Right. And. The one thing I do think about, especially in the college basketball front, I was wondering how it would affect college sports if someone pulled a Michigan back in 93 and forced five-star recruits go to Howard 
or something like that, how would it, how it would affect how would it affect college the broader landscape of college sports if there was an opportunity for a really nationally competitive team to put an HBCU in the spotlight? And I would want to see what they do with that, how they handle that opportunity. Would they really push them? Would, they just, would it just be business as usual? Would they push it to the broader market of kids who wasn't thinking HBCU and make that an option? That's always something that I wanted to see, and hopefully I get to see that opportunity. Like I want to see how, how jumping even Delaware State is because they, they have a couple of the best guys in the nation and scouts from all, from all over are watching them because – with college basketball, if the talent said they're going to come to you, they don't care whether you play in Kentucky or Istanbul or whatever. Like, if you're good, they're going to come to you. So you're right. It's just a matter of you, you can't throw money. You can't throw money at, at the kids, and that's cool and fine, but you have to find different ways. You have to find different ways, like be resourceful. Like, you got to run a higher education institution. Be creative. Like, test out marketing and stuff. It doesn't have to be perfect, but the attempt has to be there to attract people and to attack, attract real talent to your schools with the stuff you talked about. Like, hey, you might not go to the league, but I'll tell you what, we're going to teach you enough to where after your four years is up, your five years is up, you're going to be laced, bro. Like, whether it's real estate or becoming an agent, we, we can get you connected to people. And that's that's real stuff. Like, now that I'm older... I, I wish people would have told me about those routes. I, I wish I wish it wasn't just, you know, high D1 basketball or NBA or, or bust for me in my mind. There are so many routes that you can make to, to be successful. And if you want to be around professional athletes, still do that and still make really good money. So I feel like it's a golden opportunity for those HCU guys to attract guys and be like, hey, there's another way to be successful. Like, it, it, like everyone ain't all Aaron Rodgers and – you may not be it, but you can still get dough. So from there, we'll go into cancel culture and Jimmy Fallon. So apparently some people have found video of, it's not, it wasn't hiding anything. Jimmy Fallon did a skit, an old skit, where he did kind of blackface. Well, it wasn't kind of blackface. It was blackface. As Chris Rock, it was a skit. But, I mean, it's like almost 20 years old. But I guess some people never knew about it and tried to cancel Jimmy over the, <laughs> this past week. All right, so, <laughs> all right, so before I get to my actual feelings on the Jimmy Fallon blackface, I just want to say something about the broader cancel culture that we find ourselves in right now. We have to develop a sense of context before canceling people and trying to ruin careers all over the place, man. I think that it's cool that regular people, we have the the platform and the ability to hold powerful or awful people accountable and to do so quickly. But like any other thing of power, people abuse that power just to make someone famous squirm. It, it could be a, a big nothing and enough people can raise a funk about it just to be like, hey, you know, that powerful dude that I'll never get to meet that wouldn't spit on me if I was on fire. Oh, yeah, he felt it today, whether it's warranted or not. And especially in the realm of comedy, writing, uh, I, I write stuff. I, I try to create as much as I can. And the thing about creation is that people need the space to test and push boundaries. Otherwise, we won't get anything new or groundbreaking. 
and it could be in any industry, any any realm of whatever. If people operate out of fear, they won't get anything done because they're going to be scared of offending people and it having real consequences. This is one thing if if I try something and it didn't work and I get feedback, it's like, okay, cool, back, back on board. But I try something and I offend the wrong people and I'm just done for. I'm blacklisted, what have you. If I'm trying to get money, I'm not going to go out the box. I'm not. And that especially goes for comedy and the general concept of funny. You have to be able to push boundaries. You have to sometimes go over the edge and be like, shit, I don't know. But it being okay. Because we knew that your intent was to be funny. It wasn't trying to hurt people. It wasn't trying to abuse people. You was trying to be funny and didn't work. But it's cool. Back to the drawing board. I appreciate the effort. And that feedback is really important. And people need to be able to operate from a fearless place and be able to adjust from there. It can't be the other way around. With that said, Jimmy Fallon did a hell of a job of blackface. It was funny, right? I've never seen such a great job. Like I would understand if if he just had the face of, of tar and he just put a a nappy wig on his head and had the super black lips and just carrying around a watermelon and had some fried chicken in his mouth. Then I understand. Okay, that's probably not trying to be as as you're being offensive and trying to hurt people. But he did a pretty good impersonation. I didn't even know what Bradley was talking about when he sent me the clip at first. I, I thought it was just just a black guy. I was waiting for the blackface to come. He did a great job. I enjoyed it. And it's really bullshit that he had to apologize for it 20 minutes later when I don't even think Chris Rock was mad. I don't remember anyone coming out being mad back then. Chris Rock. Dave Chappelle, Brady Mac when he was alive. Trust me, if they thought that he was over the edge, they would have let him know 20 years ago. So you're you're defending people who don't need or asking to be defended. And I feel like when it comes to that, it's an abuse of power. So Pat, how do you feel about it, man? Um, I'm right in line with you. I want to add a, uh, an additional point is as a culture, first off, who is the culture? Is the I don't understand who the culture is. Whoever's lost, um, whether it's a culture at right. the time. But. So, does the culture really want to pick all these fights? Like, when I grew up, I tried to avoid fights. I knew who I wanted to fight, and if I had a problem with them, I would fight them. I'm not trying to fight everybody or everything that I see that offends me. There's margins for everything. Um, it was funny. It was funny. I think there's there's a separate category of blackface, like you said, Sean, that's meant to offend people and meant to attack, meant to meant to cause harm. Then there's, you know, what Jimmy Fallon did. There's what uh I think who was it? Ben Stiller and Tropic Thunder. Yeah, that shit was um, ill. It's funny. We can't police we definitely don't want to police communities. I think it's bullshit. The cancel culture removed um Kevin Hart from hosting the the Oscars, I believe. And that yeah. probably would have been the funniest Oscar ceremony in the history of Oscars. And we didn't get to see it because of the cancel culture. Um, 
Doja Cat's going through it right now. Cancel culture. Um, I'm not a fan. I, I support Jimmy Fallon. I think that it speaks volumes about him that he felt the need to apologize. Me as a black man, I didn't need an apology. When I watched it, I saw that it was coming from a place of comedy. It wasn't coming from a place of, of mockery. Um, we got way more important things to try and cancel than, than inadvertent blackface. Yes, like black people getting smoked for existing by cops or random people. Let, let's let's start there, and then we can go into stuff that offends us. And to underscore the point of Jimmy Fallon actually apologizing, like kudos to him, but he he feels that power. He feels the power of people being able to basically shut his shit down for something that was largely acceptable two decades ago. And cancel culture is something that is cool and fine when it's not happening to you. It, it's it's so great. You get to jump on, wow, look at that idiot. Look, look at that dumbass. I, I hope that all the awful things in the world happen to you. And when it does happen, it's hell on earth. Like, I, I've, I've been on Twitter for a long time. I've been on the wrong end of viral stuff. And let me tell you, you just got to close the app. There's no replying to people. There's no, there's no trying to reason with people. There's no trying to add context to a situation. Like, this is what the situation is, and people are going to try to make it as funny as possible. If you offended somebody doing what you did, even if it's intentional, they're going to try to end your shit. And being able to hold people accountable is the bedrock for democracy, for politicians, to make sure that we're not abusing that power, but we have to make sure that we roll that carefully because it, it'll it'll end a lot of career people before they even start. So I I asked the the people of, of social media, the, uh, I mean, if you see something awful, call it out, make sure you fix it. But if something's just trying to be funny, just say, hey, I didn't find that funny, and leave that alone, because like you're, you're gonna you're gonna bar future creatives from really pushing stuff because they're gonna they're gonna try to make the money over making real art that's true to them and we really don't want that to happen it's gonna be a really boring world if everyone subscribes to that so more sneakers <laughs> we're, we're gonna try to make sneakers an instrumental part of the show since apparently Pat's back in the shoe game. He tried to get the the Travis Scotts, the Nike 270s. I felt a little inspired. I felt a little inspired. Uh, my sneakers app did not deliver good news at all. It actually disappointed me. It let me down. Um, I, I tried. I was unsuccessful. Now I'm looking at, you know, the resales. And um, <laughs> I love my children. They're not worth 670 bucks, so they're just going to have to wait. Um, I might get lucky and, you know go to the casino and get some some earnings from there and be feeling real jolly and make the move but yeah no I'm, uh, uh the last last week's show inspired me to uh to kind of look at the market look at the game and um i think i'm gonna go for it you know um if anybody has some suggestions on you know what what i should be looking for or you know the new wave of things i mean i think that um, my son's in the Yeezys. He just got a pair of Yeezys like last week, 350s. He likes them. Um, 
my youngest son, my three-year-old, has some wave runners. He has some 350s. So we like the Yeezys. But I'm going to try and get back into the um, into the, into the, the full gamut of shoes. You know, there's some really dope stuff out. Um, those those Ben & Jerry dunks would have been nice to have. Oh, man. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, that, that just looking at the excitement around those shoes and looking at everyone scramble for them and getting into the, the shoe culture on Twitter – it reinvigorated my spirits and you know i got a little extra money to blow why not try and get in get in the game yeah and i hear you that that's really awesome to hear but i don't know why you started with the 270s because they are trash it's travis scott's first miss i know he's trying to make it for for hiking but who's gonna hike in fucking 600 dollars sneakers like let, let's be real here if i you ain't like that. Let, let, let's be real. Bro, I live in Phoenix, Arizona, man. It, it's Camelback Mountain. You got all the Instagram models that, that live in Scottsdale. They go up and down the mountain. I'm trying to be fresh when I'm on the trail, baby. I'm trying to get some, you know, I'm trying to be out there. They got the little yoga pants on looking real good. And I, I'm going to have my 270s on. They're going to be like, damn, those are his hiking shoes. What is his, uh, what is his? his go out shoes look like what flip flops what type of, what type of bag does he have what type of bag is he securing we're interested in that and you know <laughs> i wish you would have started in something that looked good i hate them like they they stink i don't know what travis scott was thinking well i know what he was thinking but people are going to try to wear into the street like it's cool and it ain't going to work like they're going to be all, all in their in their brown gear i, I do like the hoodies like, he came out with a whole apparel thing. Like, the hoodies are tough. The t-shirts tough. The sweats are tough. But the I can't I can't rock with the shoes. There's no way in the world. No, but you I was got, feeling bro. the shoes. I was feeling the colorway. I kind of like the earth tone, you know, that it looks good on my skin. Um, I got some nice, some, some nice denim jeans that I thought would have went real great with that. And a red. I, you know, I, I was envisioning myself in them. That's why I was extremely disappointed when... I got the email that uh, my draw wasn't selected. So, you know, back to the drawing board. We're going to look at some. Uh, it's a lot of folks mad right now. The Flints came out and they were, I'm not a Jordan fan, but maybe I need uh, to start trying. But, you know, disappointment is, is, is equally shared in this game. So I think that that's what makes it fun because I know there's yeah. somebody else upset they didn't get them either. So. Yeah, there is a there's a solidarity in loss. And, and when someone <laughs> does that actually get, get the – get the real thing on the draw like you hella hype for him because you you know that it was some real luck shit so mm-hmm. uh that's it for us it's a little heavy but it's necessary to everyone protesting all across america stay safe be covered up because there's gonna be a, a lot of people coming after you after the fact uh i hope i hope that this stuff changes so we're not out on the street risking our lives for something that should be a human right uh, that'll set it off for me, Pat Hardy, Bradley Smith on the boards, making us look great as usual, man. Thank you guys so much for listening. Shooting the shit, man. Thank you guys.